And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Our 2021 recap reflects some of the discussions that brought to life how interconnected the wine world is and how swiftly it pivoted to an online focus due to the pandemic. Also on the show today, a tribute to South American wines and what would have been the Vancouver International Wine Festival theme region in 2021. We'll speak with Dr. Laura Catena, a fourth-generation Argentine vintner, physician, and author. You won't want to miss that. Along with Laura, we'll reconnect with Chilean wine legend Aurelio Montes Sr. Finally, we'll make a stop in Napa Valley to speak with revered Napa Valley winemaker Kathy Corazon, founding partner and winemaker of Corazon Wines. But next, Chris Hoffmeister, Select Wine Merchants, joins us to talk about just how elegant and fast the wine industry learned to pivot during COVID. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Happy New Year from Stu Ferguson, Sherry Caleb, Darren Reagan, and our team here at the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, don't go away. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as 399000 Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's
Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. I love it when you call me Hello, British Columbia, from Victoria to Fort Nelson and all cities in between, listening on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Happy holidays from our family to yours. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. On the show today, we're celebrating some of the discussions we had in 2021, which personified the wine industry's resilience. Sustainability was an all-encompassing theme, not just sustaining the wines, but sustaining the jobs of all the people who tend the vines, make the wines, and sell the wines. We spoke with Select Wine Merchant CEO Chris Hopmeister about how his team was able to adapt and in that adaptation retain jobs for all of their people. Here's our conversation with Chris Hopmeister. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, ups and downs, I think, really, Tony. I mean, um, March 17th, I think, was really kind of the day we look at. Everything got pretty upended. Uh, there were a lot of layoffs in my space. Um, most of my competitors uh, laid off their people. Uh, we didn't. We didn't lay off anyone, in fact. Um, we, we couldn't do it just knowing how strong the business was at retail. Of course, restaurants really struggled. We, we pivoted, though, at that time and um, kept our people busy uh, acting as uh, private client reps uh, doing trying to, you know, drum up as much direct-to-consumer business as we could and, uh, you know, help people make make really good wine decisions while they're kind of trapped in their four walls, so to speak. So that was, it's been a, it really, for us, it's been a, a cause for a lot of change and a big pivot in how we how we go to market and, and how we um, uh, look at uh, bringing our wines forward to the consumer. And when all the restaurants yeah, I, closed, um, Chris, what went through your mind? Uh, well, I told you I'd keep my, keep my language uh, clean here, but it was, <laughs> it, it, was pretty, um, uh, it, it was a pretty ugly moment. You know, um, we had also just bought the largest uh, agency servicing hospitality in Canada at that time, which was a company called Lifford Wine and Spirits. And so, uh, you know, uh, the first thing that came to my mind, obviously, Tony, was, was the health and safety of my people. But uh, right behind that was just how do I keep how do I keep everyone in a job? Yes. Um, yeah. And um, what? that was that was the number one, really. Well, just for our listeners, for instance, uh, restaurants not being what they are, what percentage of that business in Canada is, is involved in the wine business? Like what percent of your sales would end up in a restaurant normally or any agency for that matter? Well, um, across the industry, the it's about 14% of the total consumption in Canada is in the restaurant trade. It's a lot more right. in certain markets like... Um, uh, BC is pretty high, but uh, as well, uh, Quebec obviously is very, very high uh, percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my business, it's in the range of about 30% um, because yeah. of the way we like to build our brands. And, and we're not a you know a mega brand company, and we don't spend a ton of money on on uh, TV advertising and stuff. So we, we really try and make sure that people can have an experience with our wines, and the best way to do that is supporting the hospitality industry in Canada. Have governments been much help in this side? I mean, they they run the biggest liquor stores in the country. Have they done much to overcome or change or? Well, I mean, I think that they uh, I think that they stayed open. Uh, that's that, let's start with that. Um, I think that they stepped up. Okay, very that's a good point. It's a they, very they, good they, point. They they um, they stepped up as well. I mean, their people are frontline workers, and I, I, they've got a lot of. I give them a lot of credit. Um, 
in a time of great deal of uncertainty and uh, and everything else that went with it and the stress, they worked on the front line. And uh, so uh, from that standpoint, I've got a great deal of uh, admiration for how um, governments kept their businesses open uh, and, um, you know, uh, continued to give uh, businesses like mine a, a lifeline. And if it wasn't, if, if they hadn't stayed open, I wouldn't have been able to, I just don't know how I could have kept my, my 100 and 25 staff, you know, in their jobs. I just don't know how I could have done that. Yes. We're speaking with Chris Hoffmeister. He's the CEO of Select Wine Merchants. Tony and I had a tasting of your 2019 Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc and also the Fontella Chianti. Really excellent wines. The Fontella is $14.99. What a great price. Yeah, we're really pleased to bring this wine to the market. It's in, you know, well over 100 stores in the province. Um, uh, when I when I saw this brand uh, for the first time, uh, it was actually down in the U.S. And uh, first I saw that label, it's this baby blue pop off the shelf. But I, I really honed in on the wines. I, it was hard <laughs> not to be attr- attracted by the, it had a pretty heavy rating on it from a, uh, a lesser known person than uh, you, Mr. Gizmondi. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, um, right. and I just felt like uh, I really, when I really dug into the story about this family that had been producing wine since the 1800s and and became a negociant, um, they really were honed in on producing great value for money. So Fontella for me is is the mm. essence of just being simple. They want to produce a really high quality, yep. everyday best value for money Chianti, and that's that's what you're getting in this wine. Yes, uh, and and I, I adore it for that reason. It's a, it was, uh, it's a great way to describe it. This 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 Sangiovese really is delicious. It's not on the it's not on the acidic sort of uh, red fruit side. It's not overcooked. It's just what it should be. It, it, it's a very great storyteller of that region, and I, I I liken it to you know when you just find a great slice of pizza, and it's exactly what you want, and it, it it's nothing more and nothing less. And this wine is just like that. So. I, I think it's uh, for fourteen ninety nine. It's in one hundred and three stores around the province. People should check that out. They can't miss it by the blue label, as you say. And it's a nice contrast for uh, the craggy range because of the business that you're in, and there's so many selections to make. So here we have a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Uh, do we need another one? No. Do we need more craggy range? We need a lot more of those. Uh, it's a really special Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, it sells for twenty nine ninety nine, but it's something uh, it's something quite different than what most people would probably experience from New Zealand. Yeah, it's it's definitely Tony a big tear up from sort of you know there's four wines in this in that category that do eighty percent of the business, and if if you've been drinking one of those four and you want to take a step ahead and really see what New Zealand can offer, uh, Craigie Range is a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the few icons. I I like. For me, it's always about personality behind the wines. The Peabody's uh, who built the winery, they're on a, on a, a legacy building uh, endeavor here. Uh, and they come to Vancouver every year or come to Whistler for almost a month and a half and uh, became friends, Terry and Mary, and um, fantastic people. And uh, what I love so much about this project is, you know, uh, Terry was a very successful industrialist. He could have gone in and pretty much bought most wineries you know, in, in any Appalachian around the world, he, he was that successful, but he yep. ended up in New Zealand and he just bought bare land. And when you ask Terry what was going through his mind, you know, it was pretty simple. He's like, I just want to control the quality at every single 
stage. And if I buy someone else's vineyards, it's harder to control the quality because I didn't plant it. And um, uh, for a guy that knew very little about the business, um, man, he makes his, his group makes some fantastic wines, fantastic wines. And he's, He's had some famous winemakers, and now he's hired uh, practically an unknown kid who's been just brilliant from day one. So he he knows what he's doing, and uh, people should check out this wine. Uh, Chris, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you a, a, a couple other questions about how are your suppliers doing? Like we've heard so much about how tough it was in Italy and France and all these other countries uh, with COVID. Uh, how has it impacted them and your relationship with them o- over this last year? Yeah, it's um, um, uh, the first thing I'd like to say is, you know, my suppliers are my friends. And, and while uh, quite a number of them were affected by COVID, uh, they're all healthy, which to me is, is a big win at this moment. Um, we, um, uh, I think as a company, we've always been very strong as a, as a virtual business. And we've uh, always extended that uh, video conferencing and, and communication uh, technologies to all of our suppliers and partners. So, uh, for us, uh, we just, well, we just had to forego all of the uh, personal one-on-one interaction. Um, and they just kept the, you know, they, they did everything that they could to kind of keep their supply chain going. Um, they worked really hard mm. with their local governments to make sure that the trucks could move and uh, drop off the glass and uh, that they had harvesters and, and all of that. Um, they were very much in a preservation mode and, and to their credit, you know, it's a it's an industry that spans hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, it's not the first pandemic to hit the hit the wine industry. It's not the first time they've dealt with uh, major uh, cultural challenges or, or tragedy like world wars and such. And they they fought through. And um, uh, while we've had some challenges, you can see today, for instance, South Africa, it's really hard to get our wines uh, to market uh, because they're basically blocked down the. Um, uh, the Europeans in particular and, and everywhere else in the world did everything that they could to make sure that their wines could continue to get to market. And um, uh, everything's just moving slower, Tony. That was at the end of the day, everything just moved yeah. slower and we just had to be prepared for that. Uh, well, this interview went fast, Chris, but uh, we're glad we could uh, talk to you briefly today and we'll remind our listeners and we'll put some social media up on the Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc, the 2019 and the 2018 Fontella Chianti DOCG. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Stay you healthy. Too. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at claudesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. 
Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Enjoy the holiday season with award-winning wines from Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. Visit their tasting room any day of the week from 11 to 5. Elevate your experience with their black glass blind tasting or book a private varietal specific stemware tasting. Become a VIP and join their crush club. Your membership includes regular wine shipments, a 15% discount, early access to new releases and free premium experiences. Miradoro Restaurant is also open. Explore the seasonal menu and book your reservations at tinhorn.com. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. A new year and so many new stations on our network. A big 2022 shout out to our listeners on all the Bounce radio stations in British Columbia, including Bounce 98.5 in Summerland. One area with its fair share of adversity before COVID was the northern California wine regions of Sonoma County and Napa Valley. In this conversation, in the spring of 2021, we caught up with a legendary wine figure whose family has deep roots in the Napa Valley. Kathy Corison, winemaker and co-founder of Corison Wines, explains why for her, less is always more when it comes to making outstanding Napa Valley Cabernet. It's my pleasure. It's really fun to catch up with you. You're, you've become a legend in the California wine business. Uh, everybody knows you. Uh, and you're not a typical Napa Valley winemaker. First of all, you're a woman, which I think was never easy from the start. Uh, but you're making very interesting wine, different style of wine, too. So, uh, But before we get to that, why don't you tell our listeners exactly where Corison Winery is and, and give us a little quick background on the property. Well, we're right in the middle of the Napa Valley in St. Helena, which um, is right in the middle of the valley. But more mm. importantly, we're what is um, historically called the Rutherford Bench, and that is the gravelly alluvial soils that come out of the mountains to the west, and the combination of those amazingly well-drained soils and the climate of Napa, it's... We can grow Cabernet as well or better than any place in the world. So it's a very yeah. special little corner of the world. You've been and you've been uh, growing uh, farming organically for a long time now. I think for almost a quarter century. Has it always been something that you wanted to do from from uh, the start? Or well, I've always been involved in organic farming. I made the wine for Longmeadow Ranch uh, for 10 years, and wow. they they were one of the very first organic farms, and 
operations. And then fairly soon thereafter, we acquired Kronos Vineyard, and it was already a mature vineyard, but we started to farm it organically from the very first moment, and that was over 25 years ago. And mm. back in those days, it wasn't not a fashionable thing to do. In fact, it's something you might not mention because people would expect the wines to not be very polished, say. But yeah. fast forward to now when it's actually something we, we very much want to talk about. What sort of, I, I guess the, my question is, what would you tell young people or people who are getting into the business farming or whatever who say, gee, I don't know, should I be sustainable? Should I be organic? What what would you tell them today about your experience and what, why they might want to go in that direction? First of all, there is no reason in the world not to farm organically, especially in our very benign climate here. We have no rain all summer. There is really no excuse not to um, mm-hmm farm organically it's just simple and it i don't believe it's more expensive you do need to pay more attention but that's good for the wine you need to be out in the vineyards and that translates right into wine quality as well our guest is kathy corson she's the winemaker and founding partner of corson winery in napa valley in saint helena i'm really interested kathy uh, about your bluebird boxes and barn owl boxes Uh and is it a kippeter purchase yeah, sipiter, it's just that's just a term for all the hawks that uh, love to hunt rodents. So between the bluebird boxes and the barn owl boxes and the perches for the hawks, we take care of all of our insect and four-legged pests with with birds. So it's really very exciting. It's also fun to watch, and it's I can hear them singing right now. I'd love to see that. You mentioned Kronos Vineyards. Uh, it's turning, I think it's turning 50 this year in 2021. Uh, I, it wasn't all that long ago. Vineyards weren't lasting more than 30 or 35 years. Certainly in Bordeaux, they were being uh, torn out on sort of a 30 or 35 year program. You, you're expecting them to go another 50. What, what is it now that we know or how, how are you growing so that these vines can uh, reach such an old age? Well, First of all, I don't. I believe that vineyards are just getting to be truly mature at 20 to 30 years old. So, it, to me, it would be tragic to pull a vineyard at that age. Uh-huh. Um, vineyards do tend to drop off on their um, productivity a little bit, but then it plateaus. And I think the trade-off of the amazing wines made from from old vineyards is more than worth the lower yields. Um, and it's really, a, it's a modern phenomenon that people are turning over vineyards that quickly. Historically, people would keep vineyards going for 50, 100 years. And what it is, is just taking care. And we've been pruning for the last four years with um, pruning consultants from Italy, Simonite, and they have been teaching us how to prune for longevity of the vines, and that has a lot to do with protecting the, the, the sap flow inside the vine and sort of the circulatory system and never yeah. making really big cuts, which promote disease and, and desiccation and, and, um, and death. Uh, so anyway, I've, I've seen us actually rejuvenate our 50-year-old vines out in Kronos. Yeah. It's it's amazing that someone with your experience uh, can still be learning about uh, things in the vineyard at, at this time in your life. I think that's one of the great things about wine is that you're always learning. I learn something new every single day, 
And in fact, I've been on a really steep learning curve for the last maybe five years out in the vineyard. I've always been involved in the vineyards. I I took all the viticulture classes way back in the day in Dave, at Davis. But um, it's really only since I'm an empty nester that I've got a little more time, and I'm spending it out in the vineyard and mm. and learning so much. Could you explain a little bit? I know we don't have a ton of time, but, of course, I want to talk about the style of your wine. Uh, I, you know, I could simply say that it's more red-fruited than black-fruited, but what, what can you tell us about the ethos at, at Corison and the type of Cabernet Sauvignon that's coming out of Kronos? The goal is to make Cabernet Sauvignon that is powerful and elegant. I have been chasing that for my entire adult life. Cabernet is going to be powerful no matter what you do, how you grow it, how you pick it, how you make it. But it's way more interesting to me at the intersection of elegance. And that's all out in the vineyard. We spend a lot of time managing the canopy to... to uh, develop all the ripe flavors where we need at lower sugars with good mm-hmm. snappy natural acidity. So we wind up with Cabernet that's got the whole spectrum of Cabernet flavors, all the way from red and blue, like you mentioned, to purple and black. They can all be in the same glass at the same time, and that's complexity, and that's the goal. And we want them to be built to grace the table, and we want them to be built to enjoy a long, interesting life. These mm-hmm. wines are very long-lived. And kind of nice that we have a young population now that's accepting that style. Uh, I like that. Uh, our guest is Kathy Corson. She's a winemaker and founding partner at Corson Winery in Napa Valley. Kathy, what country would you visit for its vineyards? Well, it's funny you should ask because I just, um, I'm just i just filling out the application to visit Piemonte in northern Italy. Oh, oh boy. I love, 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 love Barolo and Barbaresco. And um, it looks like that'll be the next stop. Yeah, now those are food wines. Very much so, and they're long-lived, but they're also so pretty. You know, I think think age-worthy red wines can be big and powerful, but also be pretty. They, I love wines that have a life force and develop a floral perfume with time in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know that some of your wines are available in uh, in specialty stores in, in British Columbia and around Canada. Uh, how much of your wine are you exporting out of uh, California? Well, it's not a lot of cases. We don't mm-hmm. make a lot of wine. We're tiny. But um, we're in 18 different countries right now. Oh, good for you. The goal being, the goal being to be on fine wine lists all over the place. Yeah, we spread it around fairly thinly. That's true here <laughs> in the U.S. as well because we sell the majority of our wine direct to consumers, to our club, to visitors online. But then it's very important for us to be out in distribution to be on fine wine lists everywhere. Mm-hmm. One last uh, question, Kathy. What has surprised you about being a winemaker? Oh, I don't. I've been doing it for so long. It's a surprise is hard. But what I love about it is that it's wine is the result of a whole series of living systems. I'm a biologist by training and proclivity, and uh, it just plugs me into life. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kathy, and uh, we hope to see you soon. You're so welcome. Thank you. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. This winter, join us at Black Hills Estate Winery for an intimate and informative seated wine experience with our team of wine educators. Sample our renowned portfolio of wines, including the rare and wine club exclusive Carmenere, and learn about the terroir that makes the Black Sage Bench region so unique. Our current releases are available online for gifting and stocking up your cellar. Find out more about our available wines, wine club benefits, or book one of our seated wine experiences at blackhillswinery.com. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offer collectors a safe and inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. Experts in the field with knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. You know you want it, so come and get it. The Modest Butcher invites you to happy hour every day from 2 to 4 p.m. On the menu, beers, cocktails, wine by the glass or half liter, and don't forget about the new appies. Also making a comeback, Tommy and Tannen Tuesday. Get their tremendously sized tomahawk steak with all the fixins and a bottle of their tomahawk-worthy vino for $180. For more details and to book, visit modestbutcher.com. Come and get it. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Don't come out. Don't start caring about me now. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. On the show today, we celebrate positive stories from the challenging year of 2021. Aurelio Montes is about as big a legend as they come in the wine business. Montes Wines was founded by Aurelio in 1987 as the first premium wine producer to export wines worldwide from Chile. As a result, Montes positions its extraordinary portfolio of quality wines in more than 100 countries on all five continents in just a few years. Here's our conversation with Aurelio Montes Sr., the first of two-part series where we focused on what would have been the theme region for the Vancouver Wine Festival in 2021, the vast region of South America. Tony and Casey, good, good to have a contact with you. Great. I'm doing very well. We're starting our picking now. It's actually, I'm in the countryside today deciding what, uh, what grapes to pick. So everything is going very well. Huh. I want you to take me back. I don't know. When was the first time you, you went to Colchow and saw, saw the place and decided this is where I think we should build a winery called Montes? 
Well, the very beginning, Tony, it's in 1972 when I was just graduated as an agronomist and a winemaker from the Catholic University. And uh, my boss in those days was uh, Unduraga Winery, the people of the Unduraga family. And they told me that there was a little spot of land someplace in Colchagua Valley that uh, someone was offering some grapes and they didn't know really if they they were worth the quality we were looking for. And so I did my first trip very young, just graduated. And when I came to Apalta, there was only one very small producer, and it was love at first sight. The most <laughs> beautiful corner, yeah, in, in Colchagua Valley and in Chile. And, of course, with all the natural conditions to produce amazing wine. So my dream started in 1972 and came a reality when we bought land to plant in 1990. That's wow. roughly the story. Yeah. Such a great place and uh, home to your famous Montezalfa Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, you also have had, uh, not a dream, I think more of a goal to to raise the image of Chilean wine from the get-go. Uh, you've spent 30 years at it. You've been awarded many times for your work in it. Do you, do you feel like Chile is where it should be internationally now? And do you feel like you're reaching some of those goals of getting on that world wine map with some real significance? Tony, I think that Chile, it is one of the best places to grow amazing quality wines here. We have, you know, the landscape, we have the terroir, the people, the climate, you know, the skills, the passion, everything. Uh, I, I think I did a good work, a, a good job pushing this up. And I created, you know, the Montes Alpha line. And then came the Folly, the Montes Alpha M, the Purple Angel, and so on. So I think that I, I, I added a little grain of sand into this uh, final target that is to put Chile in a better position. Some yeah. other wineries also are doing a good job, like Eduardo Chadwick, the Lapostol family, and some others. So I think that it's, it's something that is beginning to build up. That sounds great to me. Uh, let's talk a bit about the winery because I want to taste one of the wines with our listeners. I'm going to have you lead us through the Montezalfa Cabernet. But first, uh, you built a new winery uh, or a new facility there. It's quite unusual using following uh, Fen Shui. Can you just give us quickly a, a, just a quick synopsis of how that worked out? Why did you build a winery that way? Well, uh, uh, the, the, this is a... Uh... A, a sure thing with uh, Douglas Murray, whom you know, you knew very sure. well as well. D- D- Douglas was a, a big fan of Feng Shui. I, I wasn't that, uh, you know, uh, uh, aware of Feng Shui and all its uh, benefits. Uh, yep. But Douglas pushed a lot, and I followed his steps. And we decided to build a winery that was that should be totally different to the rest of all, and to make different wines and very special wines. So Feng Shui was something different. And, and was a, a very strong inspiration uh, coming from Douglas Murray, my partner. And in a less, uh, 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 you know, enthusiasm from myself, because Douglas was the one that was really a deep believer in, in yeah. Feng Shui. Now, Feng Shui makes the wine very special because we're using, you know, the stones, the wood from the same area that the winery uh, is built. Um, uh, the, the the way we put the windows, you know, the way the light come in comes in, uh, everything is put in a way that you feel happy, safe 
in a good comfort. And we we wanted that for our people and ourselves to have even more inspiration uh, when we were working at the at the winery. So every visitor that goes there, he he really never forgets how special uh, is that winery. Well, I've been to the winery. It's one of the most beautiful wineries I've ever been to anywhere. And what is very impressive is you have music playing in the barrel room all day. Uh, we decided to put the music. And the, 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 the final fact is to create, you know, an atmosphere to work that is totally fantastic, relaxed, and you are willing to stay and to work hard there. This place is so nice that you don't want to leave the place. You want to stay inside there. So um, our, our philosophy in some way is that we want happy people to work with us. We don't want unhappy people. Unhappy people do everything wrong. Happy people, they do everything correct. And I think that Feng Shui and the Gregorian chants in the barrel room are a big, a big, a big uh, you know, inspiration towards yeah. doing things correctly. That is so great. Uh, Aurelia, we've asked uh, our listeners to uh, go out and pick up a bottle of the Montesalfa 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon because we promised them that you would take us through this wine. Can you just quickly give us uh, uh, what it is, where it's from, what it tastes like, how it's made, that sort of thing? Give us the, the story of Montesalfa Cabernet Sauvignon 2018. It comes from two different uh, estates, you know, our estate in Apalta and a more coastal estate that it's um, Chiwe. Um, <clears throat> for the 2018, we had one of the best, you know, years, uh, so to speak, you know, in terms of, uh, of temperature, rainfall, no frost. We had a, a very rainy winter. We had a, a very mild spring, a long and dry and warm summer. So we could ripen the grapes uh, totally well until the perfect uh, flavors and the sugar level and everything was there. So um, we are very happy for this harvest that it's meant to be one of the best of the top, you know, vintages from the past uh, maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now, what you have here in front of you is a wine that it's uh, still very young. It's, uh, it's strong. It's, it's purple red, kind of young wine, very intense. You know, uh, when you uh, go and smell the wine and try to get the flavors out of it, I'm getting, you know, an explosion of fruits here. I can recall a little bit of olives, blackberries, some sort of red cherries, not the black cherries, but the red cherries. Very flavor, very, uh, uh, you know, inviting the the flavor. Mm -hmm. And then, if you still keep on moving your glass, you will get, secondary flavors, a little bit of nutmeg, maybe vanilla, a, a well-integrated oak from the barrels where it was aged. And and then if you put the wine in your mouth, you know, and enjoy it, you will get a very strong attack of the wine into the mouth, a full-bodied wine with solid but very soft tannins. Again, the fruit comes back in the back palate. It's a wine that after you swallow it or you spit it, whatever, uh, it's um, uh, it lingers to so stay there. You know, you're you're still getting the fruit and the very nice hints of of, of a little bit of vanilla and, and cherries coming back. So we're we're extremely happy with this wine. It's our current release. It's um, about to be finished from the winery, but it's of course uh, in every shelf in the market where we have a presence, like in British Columbia. Wow.
That was great. Thanks so much for that. Uh, really, we're almost out of time. Everybody asked you about retiring, and I know that you're never going to retire, so you're you're still having fun and, and uh, keeping your hand involved in almost everything uh, in the business, and with all those grandkids, you must be busy. Well, I am very busy. I'm totally hands-on. I couldn't stop. It's not in, in, in my style of, 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 of living, of course. And uh, Aurelio Jr., my son, is taking a lot of responsibilities in the winemaking and the viticulture, but I'm supervising everything. I'm moving a lot around. I'm traveling to the markets, you know, to run tastings and little lectures and seminars. So, uh, Tony, you know, well, you will never stop me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Aurelio, how many grandchildren do you have? Well, Casey, that's a good question, and I'm very proud. I've got five kids and 19 grandchildren, Wow. So you can imagine, you know, the, the Sunday lunches at all. Oh, you're it's so It's a lucky. real mess. But I'm I'm so happy to have a mess at home yes. with kids of all ages playing and, and doing uh, things there. So, so family is one of the important things that I really enjoy in life. Rio, thanks so much. Uh, so great to catch up with you. Yeah. Uh, okay, Tony. So glad to, to, to hear you and Casey as well. And waiting you here in Apalta Valley and the amazing restaurant that we're running with Francis Malman, this amazing Argentinian chef. That was Aurelio Montes. Uh, of course, he's a legend in uh, South American wine and, of course, a real builder for the country of Chile. We can't wait to get back down there. We'll take a quick break. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And uh, when we return, Dr. Laura Catena joins us from Catena Zapata in Argentina. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson and Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles. No alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. Red Rooster Winery invites you to visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Enjoy the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountains from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their new release of Pinot 3, a co-fermented blend of Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Gris to sip while you take in the views. Tastings are offered seven days a week from noon to five this winter. Come for the views and stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. It's a season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online 
goldhillwinery.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. They call me Hell. They call me Stacy. They call me Hell. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. 2021 would have seen South America represented as the Vancouver National Wine Festival theme region, but that didn't happen due to the global pandemic. So instead, we did our own salute here at BC Food and Wine Radio. In this segment, fourth-generation Argentine vintner, physician, and author, Dr. Laura Catena joins us. Laura was born in Mendoza and spent her childhood with her grandfather, Domingo, at the family's winery in the small village of La Libertad. She is often referred to as the face of Argentine wine for her active role in studying and promoting the Mendozan wine region worldwide and, of course, her beloved Argentine Melbeck. Laura's life obsession is to learn more about high-altitude viticulture and wine ageability, and so is ours. Here's our conversation with Dr. Laura Catena. Hello, buenos dias. Yeah, buenos dias to you. Uh, always great to catch up with you. Uh, uh, so many things I want to talk about, but maybe with the, as an old editor would say, with the broad strokes, uh, what's what's happening in Argentina? It's been thir- sort of 30 years now in this modern development. Are you... Are you happy with the way things are moving along in, in terms of the image of Argentina and, and Argentine wines? Yes, I think we make incredible progress. When I started, I used to go and sell wine with one of the salespeople, and the buyers would say, I love this wine about Malbec, Catena Malbec, but I can't buy it because you know the consumers don't know what Malbec is. And I would yeah. say today, anybody that drinks wine knows Malbec uh, I think the, the, there are some challenges for the future, uh, like people understanding that Malbec tastes different depending on where it comes from. Also knowing that uh, Malbec can make a collectible wine. I mean, it used to make the most collectible wines in the world in Bordeaux in the 18th and 19th century, you know, and today it's making those wines from Argentina. But I think the general wine drinker around the world still doesn't necessarily know this, this high-end Malbec category. But we've made so much progress. Uh, in terms of people knowing that Argentina makes great wine. You've been very generous, and you've forged some wonderful relationships. Why is that important to you, Laura? Well, you know, I think that wine has to be tasted, and uh, people will buy wine because they think it tastes great. And, you know, this is something that my dad taught me when I started. You know, I, I was coming from medicine. I knew nothing about selling anything. And I actually asked my dad, I said, Dad, what is this thing called marketing? What, what does that word actually mean? <laughs> and he said, listen, uh, the best thing is to provide a, a very, very good quality, and then you never have to do any marketing. And he said, if you can make a wine or any product that's twice as good as the price, so that the competitors at twice the price, uh, you know, you're just as good as them. And we actually do blind tastings where we taste, you know, our $20 wine with $40, $50 wines. You know, our $50 wines with $100, $200 wines. And, and we, we do it blind to know, are we in the right price? You know, we want to be twice as good. If, right. if people taste your wine and they love it, uh, that's, that's the best ambassador. And so that's why I think traveling around the world, opening bottles, conducting test tastings, and now on Zoom, it's incredible because, you know, I can talk to so many more people. You know, I, I did a tasting with Peru there were 500 families. I could have never done a tasting for 500 families. You know, how do we even get them into a room? Yeah. You know, so so actually, uh, that's been an exciting 
thing about this last year, uh, despite all the, the badness and the craziness, is that, you know, we can sort of open more bottles and talk about them with more people. Okay, Laura, I want you to imagine 18 cities across British Columbia. People are going to go out and grab a bottle of the 2018 Catena Malbec. They're going to pour it out in their glass, and now they're going to listen to you talk about this wine to them. Uh, so let's let's have a little mini tasting of the 2018 Catena Malbec. Let's do it. So the first thing that you should notice is this really dark color. So Malbec in the Middle Ages used to be called the black wine, le vin noir, because uh-huh. it was so dark. Malbec has a lot of anthocyanins. But don't let it fool you, because sometimes people see that it's so dark, and they think, oh, it's going to be really tannic. You know, and maybe that person likes Pinot Noir or likes, you know, older wines that are really smooth. And the interesting thing about Malbec is that it has a really dark color. It's very rich. Uh, you know, it, it, it's textured. Like, it's a big wine. But then the tannins are silky and smooth. So this is the thing they have to remember about Malbec. Really big, really dark. Very, very smooth. And uh, now, depending sorry, on and, and from, Sorry, yeah. and by the way, the smoothness of the tannins is incredible compared to 30 years ago. Like, this is a big change. Yeah, I think that that's been a lot of work in the vineyard, at the winery. You know, in, in the beginning, we used to make Malbec like Cabernet Sauvignon with long macerations. That means, you know, that you leave the skins with the juice yeah. for, uh, you know, 30 days because... With Cabernet, that's how you soften the tannins. Well, Malbec actually has to be made more like Pinot Noir because Malbec right. and Pinot Noir have these really smooth tannins. And so when you make it like Pinot Noir, you get all the florals, the aromatics, and the smooth tannins. So, yes, that's a, that's a very good observation, uh, Tony. And then this wine is a blend of four different microclimates between 3,000 feet and 5,000 feet elevation. So you get, you know, the minerality, the florals from the really cool climate, more of the ripeness from the warm climate. And then when you put it all together, you get what I call our Chanel number no. five. You know, it's, it's like this beautiful, elegant, perfectly balanced wine. And I notice you've added high mountain vines on the label, on a, on a separate label. Yeah. Why, why did you do that? Yeah, because, you know, in Mendoza, it's all about the mountains. You know, our soils, which are really gravelly, were formed by the glaciers as they were melting and carrying these stones down. So the, the, this mountain climate determines the soil. Also, at higher altitudes, it's cooler, yet there's also more sun. Like if you think, you know, when you go skiing, you know, you burn not just from the snow, but also because you're higher up. So this combination of great sunlight intensity, these, you know, alluvial rocky soils, formed by the glaciers and this cool climate of the altitude are what make our wines, you know, with beautiful natural acidity, you know, with beautiful florals, but because of the sunlight uh, and the long hang time, you know, the long time the grapes are ripening, the the wines are also very rich and smooth. So it's the mountain that, that dictates, you know, why our wines taste the way they do. So I wanted to put it on the label. Okay, our guest is Dr. Uh, Laura Catena. She's the managing director at Catena uh, Zapata Wines. We want to talk a bit about food now, Casey, and this wine. The wine is so delicious and slippery and smooth and drinkable. And what should we have, Casey? This is unwooded, correct? Uh, no, it does have some, some oak for sure. Yeah, it, ha- it has usually about 20% new oak and then second, third, fourth use barrels. But the idea is that the fruit should not, should shine. Just to not notice so, it, yeah. it, so actually, 
if you're not actually smelling oak, that's the, the desired wine. Great. And wouldn't this be perfect with empanadas? Absolutely. So um, this is one of my favorite topics. So <laughs> Malbec, to me, goes very well with anything that has umami. And so like automatically people jump to steak because they know we have really good steak in Argentina. But I personally don't eat that much red meat, you know, because of health reasons. And so I love the other foods with umami, which are things like mushrooms, mushroom risotto. There's some fishes like salmon has a lot of umami. Grilled vegetables, which is like the favorite thing in Argentina. Like you're, not, you're never going to eat only meat. You know, you, you're going to grill some vegetables and just with some olive oil and salt. We don't use a lot of spice. Everything's kind of pure, you know, from the farm to the grill to the mouth. Uh, but empanadas um, are in Argentina like our equivalent of pizza. So we have empanaderias instead of pizzerias. Oh, well, we also have pizzerias because we have all these Italians that came to Argentina. But empanaderias are empanadas, which is like this, this piece of dough rolled around, you know, this incredible inside. It's kind of like a calzone, you know, with this, with this juicy, uh, you know, uh, mixture of ingredients inside. And the classic empanada has ground meat or chunks of meat with, you know, olives and onions, and then you put it in the oven, and it's incredible, you know, surrounded by this, this thin dough. But actually, in the empanaderias in Argentina, you can have cheese and onion empanadas, ham and cheese empanadas. You can have, you know, tomato and onions and cheese empanadas, feta cheese. That's one of my favorites. Uh, you can have corn empanadas. So it's basically a way to have, um, you know, a, 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 our version of pizza, and it goes really well with Malbec. Wow. And it would be great with lasagna. Yeah. Absolutely. With lasagna, because of that cheesiness. So Malbec, because of these sweet, soft tannins, you know, not from sugar. The tannins um, are just, they taste sweet. The, the, the wine is completely dry. It goes very well with anything cheesy or a little bit fatty. There you go, folks. There's your tasting and your dinner all set for you. Laura, before you go, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, terroir study that you were involved with, some exciting news coming out of the Catena Institute of Wine about terroirs. Is there some way you can tell us quickly what it was all about? Yeah, so, you know, the, the classic French story from the Cistercian monks in, Bur in Burgundy is that, you know, from different soils you get different tastes. And, you know, they did it with Pinot Noir because that's the main red variety in Burgundy. And so we were asking ourselves, well, do we have these kind of taste of place, like for this kind of soil, this kind of altitude, the wine tastes differently. And we knew as farmers that it was that way because we could taste in the grapes, but we wanted to prove it scientifically. So we actually did chemical analysis of Malbec in 26 different plots, in different areas, different soils, different climate, and then we vinified them over three years. And what we were able to find is that there was a chemical fingerprint, almost like a human fingerprint that we could identify. And I could give the researchers a bottle of wine, not tell them where it was from, and they could test it and tell me it comes from here. And wow. that is the demonstration that the taste of place exists. And this study, the biggest study ever done, was done in Argentina, not in France. And I think that's pretty cool, too. That's so great. Laura, we, we, we're sorry you're not going to be in Vancouver this year, but uh, it was so great to catch up with you. And I uh, I, just so people know the kind of person you are, you, you, you're working like crazy. you got vintage going on, but you have a special project you're going to take on in San Francisco. Can you just tell us a little bit about yeah. that before we go? Yeah, so I'm going to start working vaccinating uh, people who live in the street, homeless people in a van. Um, so 
as soon as we can get organized, we're going to start doing this. I'm, I'm really excited because, I, you know, the more people we get vaccinated, uh, all kinds of people in all countries in the world, the, the sooner we'll all get back to our normal lives. Dr. Katana, thanks so much for joining us today. A great tasting. Uh, we wish you well, and we can't wait to see you. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Tony and Casey. Great to see you. And I might go to Vancouver if I can this year. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Gracias. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, ciao. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production.